immediacy is our currency. Do things fast, do things today, don't leave it for tomorrow. If you sold something, get out on the street, door knock. If you, if you listed something, get out on the street, door knock. So immediacy is our currency, and that's why what we're doing is resonating in the marketplace. You're listening to Elevate, the official podcast of elite agent for real estate industry sales professionals, property managers, and leaders. With thanks to our partner, Connect Now, Elevate brings you the best tools, thinking, and strategies to elevate your results. To download your written action guide from this podcast containing extra tips, links, and shortcuts, visit EliteAgentElevate.com. And for more information about how Connect Now can make moving easier on your clients, visit connectnow.com.au. Here is your host, Samantha McLean. Welcome to another episode of the Elevate podcast, where we delve into some of the most interesting minds in business and in real estate for the very best tips and strategies for you to implement to elevate your business. I'm Samantha McLean, editor of Elite Agent and host of today's show. Joining me on today's episode of the Elevate podcast is Avi Khan of Ray White AKG. Named an elite business leader and awarded business growth leader for property management, Avi has skyrocketed to the top 1% of the Ray White network. So Avi, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, it's great to have you with us. We've watched your journey pretty much from the start, actually, you know, through your Marsden and Beanley offices and now to the new office at Daisy Hill and also the new name Ray White AKG. So first of all, well, congratulations. But how did your team celebrate this achievement? Because that's amazing growth. I think we celebrate every day, Sam. (laughs) I think the team celebrate a bit too much. No, we actually, we take stock of where, what we've achieved like every week in our sales meeting and what we do. It's, it's, how do you celebrate these things? I don't know uh, because there's no finish line in our business. If you keep celebrating, you're not going to grow. So we celebrate different momentous occasions. If we do well in property management every six months and Christmas buys and things like that. But um, I think that the guys sometimes just pinch themselves and say, look, where we started and where we are and where do we actually go? So I don't, I, I don't know the celebration bit. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah every, it's, every day is a celebration. Every day is a celebration. That's right. Absolutely. And Ray White AKG is a bit of a cool name, has a bit of a cool ring to it. Was this always a goal of yours? No, it sort of just um, happened naturally. It's something that Ray White suggested to me that I should be naming the group. It was something that all my businesses will come up under that group. But the more we looked at it, we looked, it can resonate in different marketplaces. And it's something that, you know, I think we just get a bit boring with branding and what we call ourselves and things like that. It's something to just think outside the box and say, hey, what else can we do to brand ourselves better and uh, set, us, set us apart from our competition? So it sort of was suggested by Ray White and it took me a while to get used to it. Whether we call it AKG or RV Khan Group, I, we settled on AKG because I thought, I thought it sounds, sounds better, sounds more trendy. I think it's worked for another fairly well-known agent within the Ray White group. It, it has, isn't it? And look, we, we look at his success and what he's done and we're like, how can we emulate that? Obviously, we can't with what he's done. He's, he's another level altogether, but he's a very nice guy and we've spent some time with him recently, as you've probably seen. But no, it's, it's, it's working for him, so why not copy what works for someone else? Now, before becoming an agent, you had a career in legal consulting and commerce. So tell us a little bit about that and how you ended up in the real estate industry to begin with. I studied in New Zealand. I studied law in New Zealand and I was a bit tired of the fishbowl existence in New Zealand, even though I love the place. All my best friends are there. I decided to come to Australia and I was working in a project in the state government in law. We're implementing new policies and strategies around 
environmental planning. It's all very exciting stuff, Sam. I'm sure the listeners will be very interested to know about that stuff. But I sort of fell into uh, technology, legal consulting in terms of automated decisions and sort of went onto a path of consulting for different companies over five, six years. It got to a stage where I was traveling five days a week. I was interstate. And when I had my first child, I said, look, I have something's got to give. I was buying and selling a few homes and I really liked the look of real estate. It looked really easy at the time, right? The fast cars, nice suits, lattes. But I said, look, let's let's give this a go because the agents that I dealt with, I didn't have a very good experience with. So it looks so simple. But once I got into it, like, okay, this, this looks very, very difficult. It's not as easy as it looks from the outside. So I sort of fell into real estate because I was taking a break from what I was doing. And I gave myself three months and um, seven years in, I haven't left since. Amazing. And so what lessons have you carried over from your previous career into real estate? It's all about relationships. I think that that's what sets us apart from anyone else. In business, I was in a contracting model. So I was looking for work all the time. I was in going from three-month project to four-month projects. Um, so relationship building is what, what sort of uh, I learned in my previous role. And it's always about giving something back to people. And the more people you know, the more networks you create, the more business you're going to get, the more you're going to uh, learn about what to do in the industry. So I think the relationship side is something that I, it's it's I got out of my previous um, work experience. So it's always tough to get your first listing in real estate. Do you remember your first listing and how did you secure that? So it's a funny story. I was cold calling in my local area. I cold called a lady who lived two hours away from my local area. So she said, look, I'm I'm willing to sell. Come and see me. And I told my principal, hey, I called this property and the lady's willing to sell. She's like, oh, great, great. You know, we're, get her address. I'll come out with you. We looked it up, made an appointment. And then she called me later. She said, hey, just wanted to make sure that you're not coming to my house. I'm like, what do you mean? She said, well, I, I live in an I don't live in the suburb that you called me about. I'm like, oh, my God, that's just crazy. We don't, we don't live out that way. So we referred her another agent. But then uh, about three weeks later, she called me back. She said, hey, look, now I'm going to sell my principal place of residence. Come out and meet me. So it sort of started like that. I, I did a lot of cold calling when I first began real estate, and that's what secured most of my listings. Yeah, that's amazing. So yeah. even though she lived a long way away, I'm yeah. guessing she was impressed by the fact that you did the right thing by her as opposed to trying to, you know, sort of sell it out of area yourself. Well, I said to my principal, I like I travel to Sydney for work, so I can do this. It's only a two-hour drive. Yep. She said, Well, if you if you take the listing, don't bother coming back to work. So <laughs> I, <laughs> I decided not to take it. So and yeah, she she was happy that we found her a good agent and she decided to sell her own place. After that, she sold the other one. Well, that's a that's a very cool story. I've read once that you've said that your job is more like being a counsellor than an agent and that your key goal is to keep the process of buying and selling simple. That would resonate, I think, with a lot of our listeners out there. From But from your experience, what do you think the top three non-negotiables for an agent should be when they're dealing with buyers and sellers? I think honesty, everyone says honesty, but I, I sort of look at it as transparency. You always have to bear in mind that you work for your sellers, so you you got to be upfront with your buyers, but you got to be, you got to protect your seller's interests as well. So I think the thing that you need to remember is who you work for. We're always working for our sellers, and I think some agents forget that they're just trying to get a deal together, get it through. And I think in this marketplace is important too because anyone can sell anything at the moment. So it's it's knowing that who you're contractually obliged to work for in the in the first place, and do what you say all the time. Like um, 
I see people promising all these things and they never they never deliver. They overpromise and they deliver. So it's important to keep to your word. And consistency, punctuality is very important to me. It's always important to be consistent with your efforts that you put in every time. I've seen agents come into the industry and have two, three good months. They walk around, they own the place, and then they go away all the time. So uh, it's so important for agents to be consistent all the time, not just on their work output or what they do with their sellers and the buyers, but with their goals and everything else as well. Speaking of the market at the moment, because you just referred to how how crazy the market is up here in Queensland, and it's pretty easy to sell anything, but probably difficult to convince people to move right now. How's your team handling this lowish sort of volume market? It's interesting because our stats show that the volume's not low. Our stats are showing that people are listing and selling just as much as before, if not even more. The problem is things are transacting so quickly that there's a perception that there's no, no stock in the marketplace, but there is. What we're seeing, and agents are selling things so quickly, they're not giving themselves the opportunity to meet more buyers, to meet more sellers. Things are going off market when, when they should be taking those things to the market and marketing it properly. If you sell something offline, you, you probably miss out on meeting 80 or 90 different people through the open homes. So it's not the, there's no stock problem. It, the problem is that it's selling so quickly and agents are not giving them, themselves a chance to market things properly to meet more people along the process. Yeah. So that's actually, that's a really important takeaway. So let me just summarize that is that even though there are a lot of buyers out there and you you could be shifting these things really, really quickly and days on market is really low, what you're saying is that it's better to, to go through the whole process because then you get to meet potential buyers who might be selling and it's brand building and all of that sort of stuff. It is. And, and I don't think that you're working in your seller's best interest as well if you're selling things off market because you're not creating the right amount of competition for the product. You're not meeting enough buyers to create competition. So there would be uh, stock levels are the same. We just have to go through the process and expose ourselves to more buyers, not just for ourselves, but for our sellers as well. Yeah. And are you doing most of your sales by auction or by private treaty at the moment? We, we're probably conducting about 20 auctions a month in our office at the moment. That's pretty good for us. So we're probably about 33% of our stock is auction at the moment. I wish it was more. We're slowly getting there. We generally haven't been an auction market, but we're trying to change that. I believe the auctions work anywhere you go. So the more auctions, the better, better result you're getting for your sellers. Yeah. And Ray White has such an auction culture too. There's some amazing people in Ray White that know so much about auction. Oh, sure. It, it's it's a very heavy centric auction culture. And we believe the auctions are best suited to create competition for the sellers to get the best prices. So that's why we, I'm, I'm personally against off markets because it, it's counter to everything that we stand for. Yeah. So let's talk about your growth, which has been quite amazing. And I guess part of growth is is building the right team around you. So what do you look for when you're recruiting agents to build your business now? Like what's the key thing that you're looking for in people? It's actually changed from the life cycle from me opening my business to now. Essentially, when I opened my business, I was just hiring on attitude because no, nobody wanted to join me. No one knew who I was. All the best performers are business owners in my area and they wanted really high comp. So I was just looking for people who are sponges. Literally, that was the main criteria that I wanted. It's people that were willing to be trained and listen to what I had to say and then can grow with me. So that was probably essentially what I looked for in the first four months. Now it's changed into, I'm looking for more high performers and I'm looking for people that will fit into our culture very well. So one thing that we do in our offices is that we don't hire anyone before taking it to all the staff first. So if I'm hiring an agent, I'll put it out to all my staff, say, hey, 
I'm hiring Joe Bloggs. What do you think of him? Is he a good agent? Does he have a good reputation? Is there anything that I need to know? Would you like to have him in that team? And if 70, 80% of them say yes, then I'll probably go and hire them. But if there's strong uh, um, consensus that we shouldn't hire them, then I probably won't. So it's gradually changed, Sam, from when I've started to what I am now. Essentially, I was looking for sponges, but now I'm looking for high, high performers who fit into our culture. Yeah, amazing. How would you describe the culture that you've built? Like what what is it that you're looking for for people to fit into? I think basically what we want, we want three things that I want from them. I want them to have fun along the way because real estate can be very combative between agents and agencies, especially now with the market doing so well. Everyone's sort of fighting about different things every time. So my culture is let's have fun. Let's make some money together because we have to be we have to be honest to ourselves and say, hey, we're here to make money as well. And the most important thing is that we take care of our clients along the way. So it's their journey. We're just there to help them. We have to remember them. I get really annoyed when people act like, you know, we're, we're taking people to the moon or we're taking people to Mars. Uh, we're just average day people. Um, so I want them to have fun, make money, and but most importantly, make sure that we look after our clients because we're trying to build a referral-based business. Yeah, amazing. I've stalked you online, by the way, and your property management team has like a 4.9 Google rating. Congratulations, because that's difficult, particularly when tenants are usually grumpy about something. How do you consistently ensure that positive client experience, even though some things might not go as planned? Yeah, so it goes back to how you treat your property managers first and foremost. So when I first opened the office, I made sure the property managers are sitting in the same spaces as the real estate agents. So normally when you go to an office, Sam, you, they, the PMs are just stuck in a deep, dark, dingy corner. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm around sure you've seen that every <laughs> Yeah, around in the back. So they have to, they actually have more room in my office than the real estate agents do. So what I, what I make sure the property managers understand is that we treat the property managers the same as the agents. So I expect you to treat the tenants the same way as we treat our landlords. They're equally as important in the process. And when you look at bad reviews, bad Google reviews, most of the bad reviews come from tenants, not from landlords. It's because property managers generally have this good version of we need to treat the landlords better than our tenants. So in our office, everyone's the same, whether you're an agent or your PM. And I expect the girls to have the same mentality when it comes to tenants and landlords. So we work very hard for our Google reviews. I think we're number one in the railway network in Queensland. And I'm very proud of the fact that we're 49 uh, out of five. So thank you. Thank you for mentioning that. It makes me feel happy that actually that's one thing that you came up with. <laughs> well, yeah, I think one of the things that I've been really impressed about is that you've paid a lot of attention to adjacent services as well. And you really built like the ecosystem, I think that Mark mm. McLeod refers to it as. So tell me about your approach to going outside to make sure that your customers are serviced with the best of everything. So it's something that I, I've spent a lot of time with Megan from Ray White Riomera. I know you know her personally as well. Yeah. So Megan sort of distilled into me the, the need for a full service sort of offering to your clients, not just about selling something, but what you're going to do for them in the future, whether it's property management or loan market brokering or concierge that we use a lot. So connecting their services and everything along those lines. So what we find is if we actually provide that service, and a lot of those adjunct services, Sam, there's, we as agents, we don't make money, but it's more about creating value for our clients. And they judge us on not just what we do, but whoever we refer them to. I expect my agents to network with brokers, network with conveyances, with tradies. Anything that we can do to have those services in there ready to go for our clients actually makes us look better and provide a better service for our clients. Because it's much easier to have repeat clients than go out and every time and find new clients along the way. So the, the adjunct services, it's, it's a big piece in our puzzle in our office. 
and we're trying to uh, add the finance brokerage side to our service offering at the moment. You just mentioned Megan Jaffe, who's one of our favourite yep. people in the, in the world. What do you think are a couple of the big lessons that she's taught you outside of what we just talked about? Uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't even come up with two, to be honest. The main thing that's changed my mentality or how I do things is growth by consensus, which she does in our office so well. So she's got standard committees for things that, you know, if something's topical, if something's, if she wants to change a rule in the auction process, or if she wants to change something about growth or recruitment, she actually has committees in our office that she consults and say, hey, guys, I'm doing this, what do you think? Whether it's a couple of agents, a couple of associates or property managers. So that's one thing that I've built in my business is like every time I do something, every time I move on something, I consult with three or four people in different lines and say, hey, this is what I'm doing. What do you guys think? Because it's important to remember that as you as you become a leader, you're less and less on the grassroots of real estate. You're you're more of a helicopter vision. So it's important from Megan's perspective, I've learned to have, to have those people on the grassroots that you consult. The second thing that most importantly is how we build business plans for our agents has changed a lot since I've gone on and seen Megan. Um, how she does business planning with her agents is above and beyond what anything I've ever seen. So most of the businesses are concentrated on GCI, uh, where your appraisals are from, how much marketing you're getting, all those things that encompasses the main business plans for principals and, uh, and agents. So our business plans are so diverse because of what she's taught me that we talk about everything from their goals to their 30-day plans to their 90-day plans to how we're building advocates, how we're building their personal brand, how we're building their agent brand, agency brand at the same time. Uh, but it's just, uh, it's sometimes when you have a bad day, it's, she's only a phone call away. So it's, it's been good, especially during COVID. I remember I, I FaceTimed her once and she we spent like two hours on FaceTime. She was just taking me around her house showing because she's bought a different house next door just to house her admin team. But it's just, um, the, that's what the network sort of provides us is the ability to reach out to people like Megan and say, hey, uh, what do you reckon? What do you think I should be doing? Actually, I was just going to change tactics to marketing because I know that um, marketing is a bit of a passion of yours as well. And I was going to ask you, how do you balance the need for marketing the the Ray White, RV Khan, mm -hmm. AKG brand with the need for building the brands, individual brands of your teams? I think uh, when I was an agent, before I opened my own office, I was really frustrated with the marketing aspect of things. I felt like that we could market the agents better. And uh, that's sort of what formulated into how I wanted to build things when I come into my business. I feel like the, the more the agents do, the more they list and sell, the more your brand, the more your office brand will be aware in the, in the community anyway. So for me, it was like, how do we find the right balance or synergy between promoting us as the office and promoting the agents as well? I don't want the office phone to ring at all. If it rings, I get a note, why are these people calling us? Why aren't they calling you directly? So the reason that we recruit well and the reason that agents don't leave us is because we found the right balance in um, promoting their brand within our brand. So we workshop a lot, the agents in our workshop a lot as to what we can do. It's the perception that Ray White doesn't let, let us do that, but they do. They're very uh, flexible with how we promote our agents as well. And there's lots of different branding things that we can do, but we prefer to do our own marketing in-house. Um, and we have a brand guide that we use to make sure it's all compliant. But finding the right balance is so important in terms of building your agents. Yeah, because they need to be recognized out there in the marketplace because people are attracted naturally to people. Yeah. And look, a, a good brand behind you means a lot. It means trust, results, longevity. If you have the brand working in the background properly, it does mean a lot to the agents and the clients. 
So if you were starting out again today, knowing everything that you know now as a rookie, what are some of the things that you would do from a marketing point of view to get the best start possible? If I was starting off as an agent? Yeah. So I, I, I think that agents sort of, um, everyone's sort of thinking about, do I cold call? Do I door knock? Or it's all of the above that you have to do. I think I learned that after probably three to six months in the industry that, you know, some people are like, oh, don't let a box drop. Or like, why are you door knocking such a waste of time? Or why are you cold calling such a waste of time? I wish I found the right balance quicker in terms of how much I door knocked, how much I cold called, how many flyers I did, how many letters I did. Because there's room for everything in your business. Uh, we sort of get taught to do this or do that, but you have to do everything and you have to balance it out. So that's probably my biggest lesson I had at the start. If I knew what I knew now back then, I would have written a lot more. So the lesson is don't just think about it as an online thing or an offline thing, but but do a bit of everything. So door knocking, cold calling. Yep. And you- social, social media. Yeah. I was going to say, you guys do a lot on social media. What are some of the things that you've most enjoyed working on over the years that have really worked for you? So we do get a lot of criticism about social media that we post too much. Someone said to me that, you know, we only see houses coming out. We don't see any chicken soup recipes. And I said to him, look, if you want a chicken soup recipe, follow Jamie Oliver. Hey, but, <laughs> yeah. but hang, hang on a second. Who was, who was the criticism from? Uh, it was from another agent, so yeah, I took it well, as a compliment. <laughs> there we go. Rest, let's rest, let's rest, rest on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, look, so the, the marketplace we're in, we don't have the glamorous houses as, say, a new farm or a double bay. So we have to glamorize what we have. And we're very proud of the market that we work in, but uh, we have to go above and beyond and try to find the right balance in what we market and how we market ourselves. So some of the lessons in social media is probably we should have started doing more videos sooner. That's and We were talking about a video before we came online. That's where we're going at the moment. I wish we did because our followership would be higher, our engagements would be higher. So we, we're starting there now, but we're probably about three to six months later than what we should have been there. But because of the marketing budgets that we have in our areas, we're selling $400,000, $450,000 homes on average. Our marketing budgets are not as big as, say, another, another suburb like 20 minutes down the road. But we're trying to find the right balance in terms of how do we get into the video side of social media more. Yeah. And where do you find you're getting more traction at the moment on Instagram or Facebook? See, it's different because my social media is built – on referral business is built on the industry is built on recruitment uh, that's probably where i'm finding more traction but my agents are finding more traction on facebook in terms of inquiries on their properties visibility engagement on the video views so it depends on what you're trying to achieve okay so have a look for where your audience is and what your marketing objective is and exactly. go back to basics yeah yeah if you want more views on your videos go to facebook yeah yeah absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So let's talk about the future. Where to from here for, for Ray White AKG? Look, our, our main goal is at the moment, we want to dominate the region that we're in. We're in the Logan region. We're number one already in Logan. Um, across the board, I think we sold about 560 properties together in, in our offices. So there's, there's several marketplaces that we don't dominate. My goal is to have 40 different agents across 70 suburbs in our marketplace. So that's where we're going. Uh, we've got different people that we look at, the Dane Atherton's who've done that really well in Gold Coast. So there's different people that reach out to say, hey, how you've done that. But also my next goal is to connect the Sydney piece of the puzzle to our Logan market, to our Brisbane market. 67% of our sales in the last three months have been to Sydney investors. So oh. our question is, how do we connect that jigsaw piece? And uh, we're hiring for someone in Sydney at the moment. That's our next frontier, is getting the people in Sydney to buy here directly through us getting the management from them. So we, we redef redefine our goals every three months, really. Um, 
I don't know whether it's another office down the line or what is it. I don't know yet. I just want to get this one going first. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but we've we've already filled up the new office as of today. There's, we had 11 seats. We've got 11 people now. So it's just um, where do we go next from here? I don't know what the answer is. Yeah, amazing, amazing. Well, you've got some great people around you and some great mentors and things like that. You know, thank you for sharing a little bit of your journey with us today. It's It's been um, very insightful and I'm sure that there's, you know, a lot of people out there that are going to be inspired by your growth journey as, as well because, you know, like you've done it from basically zero. You've gone to three offices in a very short space of time. Thank you. Thank you for helping. I appreciate you guys always supporting me as well. So, Hopefully it's a good long-lasting relationship between us and you guys too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm going to end with the question that I always ask everyone at the end, and that is if you have a final piece of advice or uh, a takeaway that you'd like to leave our listeners with us today, what would that be? I'll say what I say to my uh, agents at the moment is immediacy is our currency. Do things fast, do things today, don't leave it for tomorrow. If you sold something, get out on the street, door knock. If you, if you listed something, get out on the street, door knock. So immediacy is our currency and that's why our what we're doing is resonating in the marketplace. That's a great expression. Avi Khan, thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Appreciate your time. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Elevate with thanks to connectnow.com.au. Don't forget to download your written action guide from this podcast containing extra tips, links and shortcuts. Visit eliteagentelevate.com.